In the early 8030s on the Mount of Olives in the city of Jerusalem, Jesus had foretold to some of his closest followers that the years ahead would hold a time of great tribulation, during which some would fall away from their faith in him. False prophets would come along and lead many astray, and all of this would happen in the lead-up to ultimately what would result in the destruction of the city of Jerusalem with its great temple, and all of that being in the lead-up to the day when Jesus would ultimately come again. When we look at history, we see everything that Jesus foretold happening just like he said it would. The city of Jerusalem was destroyed in AD 70, and so we're left with the only thing that we're still waiting for from all of that being the coming of Jesus again. Yet, in those decades following Jesus initially giving that prophecy, we find that his apostles, as they went about preaching and teaching the good news about him to Jews and Gentiles from all over the world, they often had to wrestle with some of the same dynamics and even address some of the same questions that we ourselves, as followers of Jesus, awaiting him coming again, sometimes struggle with. In fact, in one of the Apostle Paul's earlier letters to Christians in the ancient city of Thessalonica, a letter that he was likely inspired to write in the late AD 40s or early AD 50s, placing it towards the front of a lot of our writings in the New Testament, we find that in the 15 or 20 years since Jesus had originally given his own prophecy to his apostles, there were a number of questions that were arising, causing a great deal of confusion about when Jesus was coming, about whether or not he had already come. And so it is that in the New Testament letter of 2 Thessalonians, in chapter 2, beginning with the first verse, we hear Jesus' apostle Paul write the following. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for the day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion 
so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, as with all biblical prophecy, we as modern followers of Jesus might fall prey to the temptation to immediately read this prophecy that the Apostle Paul gave in the late 8040s to early 8050s and make it as being predicting our future, things yet to come. Yet that's where it's crucial for us to remember that any time we're looking at prophecy in Scripture, we must remember that it first and foremost was something that God had to say to the people in that day. So as we try to make sense of passages like this, passages that we might find confusing or alarming, even as the church in Thessalonica felt when the Apostle Paul was inspired to write this to them, it's important for us to remember that context where it had to mean something to them first. Because there are some elements of this that we're not crystal clear. And there are different ways of understanding just who that man of lawlessness that the Apostle Paul was writing about is. Some interpreters look at this passage and consider the man of lawlessness to be a spiritual force that was driving the apostasy, the falling away to go after false teachings among Jesus' followers. Some considered it to be more of a political figure like the Roman emperor Nero, who was about to start his rule shortly after the time Paul wrote this, or other later Roman rulers like Nero, who would become infamous for their fierce persecution of Christians, or who would spearhead the ultimate destruction of Jerusalem and the temple there between AD 66 to AD 70, or even would require emperor worship that sounds a lot like what this man of lawlessness was responsible for. Some, though, look at it and see something even a little further out for three and four and five centuries later when the Catholic Church would really take a grip on religious practice and the Pope would claim to speak with Christ's authority, even though much of what the church and those church leaders would insist on would be counter to what Jesus and his apostles actually taught. And some read this passage and do consider this to be a single individual an antichrist, as it were, who's still to come at some point in the future. And however we interpret the identity of that man of lawlessness, that rebellion that would come about as a result of his activity, also affects how we understand who's restraining him. Because some think perhaps that was Paul himself and his own ministry, and that restraint would be moved out of the way when Paul would die a martyr in the mid-80s-60s. Some believe that it might have been referring to the reign of Claudius, who was more moderate by many measures among Roman emperors, who would hold back some of that. But then once when Nero took over, things would become really bad really quickly. Some think that maybe that restraining force was the Roman Empire itself. And once it was out of the way, the Catholic Church and that blending of church and state could really engage some of the worst excesses that went against what Jesus actually wanted. Or some believe that maybe that restraining force is the Holy Spirit or the church itself. And when Jesus comes again, it'll remove that restraint and the world will become a truly dark place. There are many different ways people approach this passage. And I'm not going to pretend to have the exact right answer. 
I'm not going to sit here and tell you I can say exactly who the man of lawlessness is or what exactly was coming into play here. I can tell you with confidence, though, that when Paul was inspired to write it, he was writing it to Christians who were alarmed. Christians who were concerned that Jesus had already come. And he wanted to reassure them, not yet. Because there were things that were going to happen there in history that hadn't happened yet. Things that they might expect to see even within their own lifetimes. Things that they would have understood better than we did. Because when Paul was with them, he'd actually preached about it. They'd heard Paul explain these things in greater detail in a way that we can really only envy. But I can tell you what the Apostle Paul intends for our takeaway to be from this consideration of this man of lawlessness, from this warning about rebellion and being led astray. Because he tells us in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, just what we're supposed to do with all of this. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Our handling of prophecies like the one that the Apostle Paul was inspired to write here in the late 8040s and early 8050s shouldn't make us alarmed. It shouldn't cause us to debate to the point of division because that actually runs counter to why God first breathed it out, to why God first had the Apostle Paul speak that to the Christians in that day. Because for them, it was meant to encourage them to stand firm, to be aware that there are those forces out there that are going to try to lead us astray, that there will be times where following Jesus is hard. So it's all the more important that we stand firm, that we not give up when it gets difficult, that we not be led astray by those who try to teach something different than what the apostles spoke or what they wrote in their letters. Now, you and I can't sit in an assembly where the apostle Paul is preaching, but we can hear the message of him and the other apostles every time we read one of the gospel accounts or the book of Acts, where we hear their rendition of what Jesus said and did, proclaimed when we can see some of the sermons captured and summarized for us as they went about preaching. We can read those letters every time we open our New Testament. So the challenge for us as we encounter difficult, even confusing things like the man of lawlessness is not to become alarmed and not to start arguing over who has the right interpretation, but to take it as a warning that there are forces out there that want to lead us astray, that want to break us down, that want to turn us away from Jesus. And we're called to stand firm. We're called to receive comfort and confidence in the hope that we have in Jesus. We're called to cling to what Jesus and his apostles actually said, which we have available to us in Scripture. And if we'll do that, then even when there's things that we don't fully understand right now, we will know we do not need 